Welcome back. We're talking about in chapter 2 of Daniel, the dream which God gave to King Nebuchadnezzar, which none of the wise men could interpret. But Daniel not only told the king what the dream was, but he interpreted the dream. And now we're looking at what it was all about. And there are four great world empires represented by the four medals of the statue. Men like Napoleon and Hitler and Mussolini, others have planned and plotted and warred and slaughtered in an attempt to be the fifth world empire, but they've all failed. The Russians would like to conquer the world and be the fifth world empire, but they have not succeeded. Some think the Chinese and the North Koreans and the Iranians and others would like to do that. But notice these four. First, there is the head of gold, and this represents the Babylonian empire. Verse 37, Daniel says, You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. He goes on to say, he has given everything into your power. He has enabled you, in other words, to to be in charge. And you are the first. You're the beginning of these four worldwide empires. And there's not any question about it. I think it fits also because gold best represents the kingdom of Babylon. Herodotus, a historian, visited Babylon 90 years after Nebuchadnezzar, and he says that he never in, in the earth had he seen such an abundance of gold as in Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar built a golden city and a golden throne, but it only lasted 70 years. In 70 years, his empire was gone. It was destroyed. It was no more. The second uh, empire is represented by the breast and arms of silver. This is the great world empire represented by silver. Daniel simply says of it, after you, there will be a rise, a, a, another kingdom inferior to you, probably means lower than you, following you. Uh, and, and I believe this is probably the Medo-Persian empire because the Medes and the Persians captured and took over the Babylonian empire. They destroyed Babylon and became the second great kingdom. The two arms are two parts representing the Medes and the Persians, and silver is a word for money. It's, it's the same word for money. In fact, the, the Medo-Persian kingdom developed a vast system of taxation. Its taxes were paid in silver. They were able to amass great stores, huge stores of silver, and it characterized their empire, which lasted 200 years. The third great empire was represented by bronze. Its belly and of, of this, of this um, monster that's there, its belly and its thighs are bronze. That part of the statue, as we're moving down the statue, seeing the different great world empires, all is said of it is that it's the kingdom of bronze which will rule over the earth. That's probably without question the Greek empire. The Greeks took over from the Medes and the Persians and conquered and ruled the world. And bronze characterized them in contrast to the Medo-Persian Empire. The soldier who wore a turban on his head and a tunic with sleeves and trousers, the Greek soldier wore a helmet of brass, a brass, breastplate of brass, a shield of brass, and a sword of brass. Bronze was the symbol of that empire. It is said that they would rule over the whole earth. They did. Under Alexander the Gate, they conquered the world by the time he was in his early 30s. In fact, Alexander the Great demanded that he be called Alexander the king of all the earth. The fourth and final of the great world kingdoms was the one made of iron. It's legs of iron. It says this kingdom, verse 40, is as strong as iron 
and as iron crushes and shatters all things so that like it, everything breaks into pieces. This we, we think refers to the Roman Empire for the Romans took over from the Greeks and they also ruled the world of their day. Everybody's heard of the legions of Rome and of their power and of their might. They were the strongest, this was the greatest, and this was the longest of all the world empires. For this empire in the west lasted 500 years. In the east it lasted until 1453. It was crushing, it was powerful, it was mighty, and they ruled with an iron fist. Finally, he said, the statue has feet and toes that are made partly of iron and partly of clay. It will be divided. It will have the toughness of iron but it will be mixed with common clay. Many people believe that this is a reference to a revival of the Roman Empire which will take place in the latter days, which will be a revived Roman Empire in Europe and which will be in place before the tribulation and before Jesus comes back again to planet Earth. It's true that bronze even today, that, there is, that in Europe today there's coming together of countries. We have the European Union, which... We never had anything like that before. There are several truths that come from this dream and this vision of the statue. Let's talk about them for a minute. The prophecy is opposite to the evolutionary hypothesis which says man ever evolves upward. This says man goes downward. We have more gadgets, more gimmicks, gimmicks more technology, more knowledge, more power than man has ever had in the history of the world. But man's not getting better. Somebody said we've learned to swim under the sea like fish, to fly in the air like birds, but we've never learned to walk on earth like men. There's more crime, more immorality, more sinful things going on than ever before. The second law of thermodynamics in science says matter is winding down. Everything in this world is winding down to a climax. As that statue started with gold and went all the way to clay, Man was made by God, and man has sinned. And the second great truth, I think, that's absolutely here is the uncertainty of human governments. This statue, with all of its power, was, was not permanent. Governments fall. Governments fail. Governments don't last. But there's something else in the prophecy. In the dream, back in verse 34, as Daniel shares it, he said, King, you saw a stone that was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. They were so crushed that they became like chaff from the summer threshing floor, and the wind carried them away. So there was not a trace of them to be found, but the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. It's interesting that the verse... In verse 45, Daniel says, The stone which was cut out of the mountain without hands and crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. I want to tell you what that stone is. The stone is none other than Jesus Christ the Lord. He becomes a mountain. The stone which was cut out without human hands, the stone that will fill the earth. That is why... The Bible says that God in heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. He's going to set up a kingdom where the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, will be Lord of everything. He's called a stone seven times in scriptures. 
It is a symbol of his strength, of his power, of his firmness. The Bible says that many people will stumble over that stone and be crushed because they refuse to believe. And Daniel says, whosoever shall fall upon this stone, Jesus said, whosoever shall fall upon this stone shall be broken. At his first coming, Jesus was crucified. But not when he comes again, he will rule and reign as king of kings and lord of lords. Notice that when the stone smites the statue, it smites its feet of iron and clay. That's important, but it does not smite the head. The Babylonian Empire, it is done, or the Persian and Greek Empire, the body and the legs. Uh, the Roman was the one in which Christ was born as a babe and lived and died and rose again. This is, this is, the, is the part that's ahead of Nebuchadnezzar. As the psalmist said, Yet all kings shall fall down <clears throat> before him, and all nations shall serve him. And as Paul says, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We'll talk some more about this when we begin our study next week. I hope you'll come back and be with me. But remember, Jesus is Lord. He's in charge, and nothing can destroy that. God bless you. Have a great day. Okay. Cool.